You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 107 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary. And today we are, we're doing something a little bit different today, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be great. We're talking about a book. I think this is the first author that we've interviewed who's actually just coming on to talk about their book. Actually, yes, I think so too. And that's really awesome. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I love books. Other guests have been authors, but I don't think, and we've probably touched on it, but this book, so the book that we're, the the guest that we're talking to today is John Jantz, and he wrote a book called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and anybody who knows me knew that I was talking about this book for quite some time, um, and I was very excited that he agreed to come on the podcast to talk about this really interesting um, and cool book. But I also felt like this is like the perfect time to drop this episode because hopefully when people go back and listen to this episode many years from now, we'll be in the clear. <laughs> yeah, the coronavirus will be a distant memory, a long lasting one. Right. The Navy is arriving in New York City today. <laughs> that is true. That is true, which is a good thing. That is a very positive thing. Um, but it is a different time. And we thought today talking about resilience and being self-reliant is probably a really good practice. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing about this book and why I love it. It's a book of basically daily meditations, one for every day of the year. He actually includes 366, which was cool because this year was a 2020's a leap year. Yeah. And he ties in um, some writings or readings and uh, writes about what that quote or what he's referencing means to him and how it relates to the entrepreneurship journey. And then he provides a challenge question for each day that you can journal about. And I'm guessing journaling right now is probably being very helpful to a lot of people. It's saving my life, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do tell. Yeah. Like, I've been, I've been journaling the last few days. I mean, I've journaled off and on, but I'm not I don't really feel like a writer per se, but the last few days, I, it's just been like writing, writing, writing. Like my brain won't stop unless I'm like, unless I'm writing. It's crazy actually. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's the sitting, like the being at home. And I found it very, like actually extremely therapeutic. 
So how are you approaching your journaling? So it's just free writing. Like I, I don't use a prompt or anything. I just kind of sit down. I carve out space. I I tell my husband like, okay, this is my time. Like I, I take some time, usually in the morning, but it depends on the day. I have one of those, the artist's way. Have you heard of that morning pages journal? It's just like a, it's a big journal. It goes with some, with a workbook, but I don't have the workbook. I just have like big journaling pages. They have quotes on each page and stuff. Yeah. I just kind of free write and I just force myself in the beginning. It feels weird. So that's what I like forced myself when I first started journaling, like just write whatever it is that you're thinking until you can kind of get going. But now I have like tons to write. It's basically my inner dialogue coming onto paper. I was like, is it your version of verbal diarrhea? (laughs) (laughs) That's usually what it is since now I'm, well, I can't say I'm limited on talking to people now because I still talk to people all day, but it's different when you're home all the time. Yes. Yes. There's, I feel like maybe that's your version of alone time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been great. And it helps, you know what it really helps with to like quiet my brain, like after I do that. I love that. That's good. Yeah. Cause it's hard to quiet your brain when your brain is, I mean, for me anyway, like constantly going. Um, and particularly now you're either thinking about your family or you're thinking about your work or you're thinking about like, when is this going to end? And all of those thoughts, right? No, I'm telling when you're, when you're home, like I, I felt the pressure even more while I was home to like, just like I have to like quiet my brain somehow. Cause I think like not changing scenery, like not being able to really get out it, like, I don't know, stores up in there or something. And, um, yeah, I found it a great way to just kind of like give myself some space. That's awesome. And hopefully that'll be a habit that you continue on. Cause it sounds like it's really cathartic. Yeah. I've, I've journaled before off and on, but now this time I'm like, Oh, I don't know how I will not continue it. That's great. Yeah. I, I like the prompts that he provides and I feel like they sort of start you on a way and then you continue along. And the neat thing about this book is it's designed to be used over and over and over. So presumably on the entrepreneurial journey, your journey changes every single year. And so it would be neat to keep a journal where you compare. Every single year. <laughs> it changes every five minutes. Valid. <laughs> but it would be neat to compare each year your each entry. So over the course of many years, like where were you on that journey? What were you doing? And it's a good way to see how you've grown and changed and all of those things. So I like how he set it up a lot. Um, and I think that it's, uh, I think it's, a, it's really good. It really struck me. I think it also struck me because it's manageable. Um, I don't tend to be a person who will sit down and read a large business book. It's just, I, they don't resonate it's with not me. Your thing. No, um, and they don't work for me. But the nice thing is it's like a page a day. And I'm an avid reader. I mean, I probably read a few books a week, but I just tend to read fiction and things that are, or memoirs that tend to be not as much nonfiction learning so much as like human experience or just really corny fiction, which is my favorite. <laughs> that's how I escape. <laughs> yeah, but the, that's, yeah, the, I actually, I think now that I'm doing this, it would be really interesting to look back. I haven't consistently journaled in the past, although I have my five minute journal that I've been doing for a few years now. So even though that's like a very short thing each day, also it, it would probably be interesting to look back on it. Yeah, I'm actually a little afraid to look at my inner monologue. I'm not sure I'd ever read it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Actually, my husband asked me yesterday. He was like, he was like, so 
you're doing all this journaling, like what's it about? And is it something like, like, can people read it? Like, what do you write? He was like, very like, I'm like, clearly you've never journaled before. Yeah. <laughs> if you're asking if people like can read I'm like, hmm. like, it's my thoughts. It's my running inner thoughts. So no, um, <laughs> he was like, so I think he, he was just very curious actually. So it was, we had a good conversation about it. And I was like, I'm not like hiding some like weird secrets or something. It's just my, you know, running thoughts that I would probably bore someone with. And instead I write them to myself instead of like having to tell them to someone. Yeah, you're just working stuff out. Like I'm more of a talker than I am a writer. Um, So I tend to need to talk stuff out. And then the minute I sort of have talked it out, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the answer. I think that's why journaling has not worked as well for me, just because I'm more of a talker. If I could talk into something, <laughs> that would you be can, a lot you easier. You do like voice memos to yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. No one would want to hear that. <laughs> I I thought about that too. I feel like it's like, a, especially these days, it's a replacement for me from talking because I'm not, I'm definitely not, I'm just talking with friends as much or not in the same way that I did before. Because now we're like FaceTiming with our kids and it's like snippets of time or, you know, I'm not like in the car or walking somewhere by myself. There's something amazing about a conversation over a meal. Like there's just, I don't know, I, I, I'm very excited and both appreciative of those moments where you can sit with like a good group of friends and have some really good food and a really good drink and just be. Because I also feel like when we're FaceTiming, we're like trying to like get everybody up to speed. Right. Um, and you're like, this, yeah. yeah. And it's different. It's more casual. I know. I said in the community, like when this is all over, we're having a party. Oh my God. I'm hugging <laughs> like, everybody. Having a million parties. <laughs> yeah. I'm hugging everybody is what's happening. Sorry to everyone who knows me, but you're getting a hug. Unless you say no, I will respect your boundaries. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you too, John. Yeah, you too, John. On your next trip, whenever that will be. You're getting a hug, man. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I think that, I mean, what we're really talking about is resilience. And um, a lot of re- resilience, I think, comes from within. And it's finding those tools and finding those methods in order to find that strength when you're challenged. And it sounds like journaling is doing that for you. And that's amazing. So I'm going to get you a copy of this book because it's awesome. I'm looking right at it. It's so good. It is my gift to you. John was awesome to talk to. Um, so I want to tell our audience a little bit about John. Uh, and then we can get on to the interview and you guys can hear all about it. John Jantz has owned a business for almost three decades, observing and documenting the entrepreneurial experience through his own unique story. He is the best-selling author of Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, and more. His books have been translated into 10 languages, and his writing has appeared in Inc., Entrepreneur, and Southwest, the magazine. You can find more about John at ductapemarketing.com. And now, on to the interview. I am so excited today. Today, my guest is John Jantz, who is the author of a book that I am incredibly obsessed with. It is called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, um, and I am thrilled to talk to John about it. So, John, welcome to the show. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it as well. Oh my gosh. John, I don't often get a book that comes across my desk where I look at it and like, this is different. This is new. And I like that because I feel like so much has been written and there's a million books out there, a million business books, but this one caught my eye and I'm really excited to talk about it. So I'd love for you to give a little bit of an introduction to the book and what it's about and, and we'll go from there. Sure. And it's interesting that you pointed that out because I think in some ways uh, that's why I wrote this book because, you know, this is my sixth book. I've written five marketing books squarely on how to do stuff. And I kind of felt a little bit like the world didn't need another one of those from me. And so I, uh, I wrote a book that was kind of the book that I wanted that fits into a daily practice that I've done for years. So it's uh, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and it is 366 daily meditations to feed your soul and grow your business. So as people might be catching on to, there's a page a day, including uh, Leap Year, which we get to celebrate this year. So it was good timing on that. What it is, is it's meant to be a book that 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 inspires and stimulates and you know kind of helps you maybe get centered for the day. A lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, kind of have a daily morning ritual to uh, kind of get their mind right for the day. And uh, so it's, you know, takes you two minutes to read one of these pages. Um, I actually anchored every one of the pages uh, with some what I think is the the still today some of the best entrepreneurial writing ever created that was uh, for the mid 19th century. A lot of the works people will recognize from people like Emerson and Thoreau and Margaret Fuller and Louisa May Alcott. And then I uh, add my 100, 150 words uh, of context uh, from my three decades of being an entrepreneur. And then I leave you every day with a challenge question. So this book is really not a how-to book. I, I like to call it a why-to book uh, that, that's really more about uh, mindset than about you know, how to do anything. What I love most about it is the theme that I've taken from it, and certainly you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'd love to know. But what I've taken from it is this idea of what is self-reliance? What is self-trust? Meaning, and one of my favorite things that I've read was one of your pages talks about being guruless. And I love that. That resonated so much with me because I really truly believe there's just so much noise. There's so much out there. Everybody's looking for acceptance from others and that the way to truly be successful is to find that from inside. And that's not just the entrepreneurial journey. That's sort of everything in life, which isn't to say you can't have a good group of people who are advisors or people who can you know, give opinions, but knowing full well that learning to follow your gut that is, I think, so critical and not talked enough about. Well, I think that, you know, a lot of times, I mean, if you Google the term self-reliance, you know, you're, you're going to find people talking about going it alone and making your own clothes and killing your own food and those kinds of things. And and I suppose there could be an aspect of that to to this. But really what it is for me is you you hit on it. it, it it's really you come to trust yourself so fully that you stop trying to control the things that are out of your control. And I think when you adopt that mindset, I think you actually automatically have more empathy for others um, and, and let them do you know, their thing uh, as well. And so it, it's really not about going it alone. It's about actually, I mean, every entrepreneur knows you, you need people to help you. You need advisors, you need mentors, you need clients. So you need, you know, you need a tribe, you need a group of people, but you are no longer, you know, swayed by what somebody thinks or, or says really only focus on how you show up and how you respond. Yeah. And I think what's so important about that and what I love about how you've set this out is that's 
a journey that comes with experience. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just spoke to a, a group of, um, as you know, I'm an attorney and I run a law firm and I spoke to a group of NYU law school students and almost every single one of them wanted to know about my entrepreneurial journey, which is a long one, <laughs> 15 years. They all wanted to know, can I do it now? I'm like, you can, <laughs> but I think there's so much value to experience. Um, and I think this is one of the ways that you, you can't get it without experience. You can't have self-reliance without going through all those motions and having this journey. I love how you've set up the book in seasons. So can you talk a little bit about that, how you came up with the seasons and, and how you framed it that way? Well, so so the season metaphor was certainly there for the taking in a, you know, an annual book like this. But it also uh, represents kind of in hindsight, you know, my reflection of my journey. Um, and I, I, I can, you know, point to, you know, numerous times when I feel like I've gone through these seasons. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs will. will. It's not like one big, long season that, you know, you end up and 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 retire. It's these it's this constant re- repeating, I think, of the seasons. And and they all have a bit of a rhythm to them. Uh, when I'm just starting something new or I'm taking a new direction or I'm trying to you know remake myself or something as an entrepreneur, uh, a lot of times I have to get that, that level of trust where it's like, yeah, okay, this is, you know, there are people that want this. This is a good path. I mean, I have to convince myself. And that that to me is kind of the first season. And then the second season to me was when when you kind of start feeling like, yeah, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This, you know, this work has purpose. <laughs> this, this is something I want to extend. And of course, right when you start hitting a little momentum is generally speaking when failure shows up and, you know, it, it maybe not working exactly like you thought it was going to. You're not as enthusiastic about it. And that's uh, obviously that's the season where resilience is, uh, is really the only thing that's going to get probably get you through or the ability to reframe uh, failure is what's going to get you through. And I think that you, you pass through those three seasons and then you start, you, you actually start realizing the impact you're having um, and the, and the difference you're making in, in people's lives, even if it's, you know, only your own. <laughs> and so uh, those are those kind of represents loosely the the seasons um, and what you know ch- generally speaking I don't know that we recognize them when we're in them you know that's something that from reflection I have seen uh, occur again and again uh, in my life it's like the forest through the trees <laughs> when you're in it it's so hard to know that you're in it until you sort of pass through it and then realize oh that's what was happening yeah yeah no I agree I agree <laughs> I like I really like how you frame it. I feel like it does repeat itself over and over and over again through your journey. So I f- I feel like you can do these questions, ask these questions and I and I imagine if you take this book and you were to do it every year for 5 years and then reflect, the answers would probably be different every single year. I can I I can almost guarantee it. You'll be a person, so how how could they not? I love that. That's 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 awesome. So how'd you come up with the idea? Well, it, it, I did not originate this idea. This idea of a daily book has actually been around for uh, quite some, some time. Actually, Tolstoy wrote one. Peter Drucker uh, was probably the first book that I was exposed to, uh, a book called The Daily Drucker, uh, was, I think, compiled probably in the 80s or, or 90s or so, uh, that was took, took all of Peter Drucker's advice and, and somebody kind of edited it into a daily. Um, there's a very popular book uh, by a, a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Holiday, uh, called The Daily Stoic. Uh, so, you know, all of these kind of have that similar calendar uh, feel to them. But I hadn't really found anybody that had written one 
you know, squarely focused on entrepreneurs. But, you know, as you noted, this is really, this could be the self-reliant person, you know, as well. But, but I wanted to, I wanted to write one that was, uh, that was really kind of an inspirational guide, uh, for, for entrepreneurs. Um, as far as the, the idea behind the literature, um, I've just been a big fan of, of Emerson and, and Thoreau and, and loved those, their books when I was in college. My, you know, when I started my marketing firm 30 years ago, I got t-shirts printed and, and my t-shirts uh, had an Emerson quote, there is no object so foul that intense light cannot make beautiful. So it's been something that, that you know, has been with me for a long time. Um, and, and as I got into it a little bit, I, you know, I, I didn't really realize, I didn't realize the depth of, of that entire vein of literature. So, you know, a lot of people go on Pinterest boards and, and Instagram and you see Thoreau and Emerson quotes that, that entrepreneurs, uh, you know, have embraced. But if you think about what was going on in, in America, at least at uh, that time, the mid 19th century. So 1850, we were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. Uh, we were trying to abolish the legal act of slavery. Uh, it was really considered one of the first countercultural periods in America. And a lot of the writing was very overtly saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be listening to our elders or our preachers or the politicians. You know, maybe what we're supposed to do is is follow our heart and do what, you know, what is right for us. And really even, you know, so so works like Thoreau and Emerson, you know, we're, we're clearly saying that. But then you dig into even the fiction of the time, The Scarlet Letter and Little Women and Moby Dick. It was the first time in American literature where you also saw protagonists who were basically saying, hey, this is going to maybe cost me everything, but I have to do what I have to do. Um, and so I, I still to think today, you know, this is some of the best writing uh, for entrepreneurs. And, and I wanted to bring it uh, to, uh, you know, maybe a whole nother uh, several generations who, uh, you know, ha- haven't been introduced to this uh, writing that stood the test of time. It's so relevant still, the themes. Well, it's so often uh, struck me how I would read a passage and go, that couldn't have been written 150 yeah. years ago. He's talking about Facebook right now. It really does feel that way. And I think you've presented it in a way that in a way that now as someone who's not in college, right? So however many years past college, you look at these passages that you read in college so differently and you understand them so differently. Yeah. So context will do that, won't it? It really does. So how how about the writing process for something like this? How long did it take to write and and pick the, you know, the passages you wanted to use and sort of extrapolate the thoughts from each passage? I mean, it's it's seems like it's quite a bit of work. <laughs> it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> um, because it had a couple, it had a couple, you know, issues that, it, you know, it, again, you know, people have done much harder things, but in my write, book writing, I generally, my other books, you know, duct tape marketing or referral engine were really just kind of compilations of here's what I do. It worked for me. It might work for you. <laughs> you know, and I could sit down and write, you know, 10,000 words. You know, it turns out that writing short passages is actually much harder <laughs> than writing long, you know, flowing passages. And so, you know, the entire process actually was done in a year. I, I did uh, from from signing the contract to, to the book being published, I think was about 13 months, which is really fast in traditional publishing. I, was, I went with uh, Wiley uh, for this one and, and they put this book out faster than any of my other ones. But I, you know, I spent five months um, researching and writing um, and it was a pretty intense five months. I, uh, one of the things that really helped is I, kn- I knew the vein of literature I wanted to to mine. And you already talked about the seasons. Inside the seasons, I gave every month a theme. 
a one-word theme like creativity or resilience or freedom. And what that structure did is allowed me, you know, I just started off just reading a whole bunch of stuff and highlighting. And I was like, this is going to, you know, this is going to be impossible. <laughs> you know. And so what that structure allowed me to do was actually go out and say, okay, what did Margaret Fuller have to say about freedom? And so then all of a sudden I could actually find uh, the, the passages that I wanted or the works that I wanted to cite rather than me just having to stumble on them. And so then it just became kind of a spread. The research became kind of a spreadsheet project <laughs> at that point. Um, and so once all that was compiled, I literally started on January 1st and wrote you know, my way <laughs> all the way through. And it was, as I said, for anybody who's who, my goal was to have you know every day at least have one sentence where the reader went, wow. <laughs> and so uh, that was actually, you know, as I said, that that was much harder than, you know, going on for, you know, pages and pages trying to explain how to do something. So um, I, it was it was I, I loved it. It was a, an amazing experience, um, but it was it was mentally and, and physically draining. And I, I think uh, maybe eight or nine pages um, was probably the most I wrote in one day. You felt like you left your like whole soul on on the page. <laughs> it, it it felt that way sometimes. Yes. <laughs> sure. Did you have um, a team or anyone helping you in this process? I think a lot of people are interested in knowing what really goes into writing a book, whether it's the type of book you've written before or something like this. Yeah. So um, this is the f all my other books. I've I've not used anyone to help me at all. Uh, this was the first book I did, and it was actually uh, a woman who is uh, credited in the beginning, Amanda Rode, that uh, did a lot of helped me with a lot of the research um, and compiling um, the passages and into you know the spreadsheet form. But in terms of the actual writing, I, I did write every word. That is that's fantastic. I love to actually go through today's entry today that we're recording. I mean, this isn't going to go live today, but we're recording on February 26th. I really like this page. And I'd love if you wouldn't mind hearing you read it. And maybe we could talk about your challenge question. All right. Well, so every day has a title and then uh, a reading from some of the literature that I mind and then 100, 150 words for me. And then, as you mentioned, a, a challenge question. And one of the things that that I also wanted to do, I mean, everybody's familiar with Walden, civil disobedience, say, from from Thoreau. Um, I dug into his journals and and letters um, and I because I, I wanted to go deeper than, you know, some of the stuff that maybe we've all consumed. And so this today we we actually are into a letter that he had actually written to Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was his mentor. February 26th. Yes and no are lies. In writing, conversation should be folded many times thick. It is the height of art that, on the first perusal, plain common sense should appear. On the second, severe truth. And on the third, beauty. And having these warrants for its depth and reality, we may then enjoy the beauty forevermore. Henry David Thoreau, uh, Familiar Letters, 1894. Here Thoreau is suggesting to Emerson that although the best writing seems simple and common sense, achieving this effect is not easy. As a self-reliant entrepreneur, you can never stop looking for the truth in your vision, just as Thoreau felt he could never stop looking for the truth in nature. It's a bit of an epic journey, even after you've folded many times thick, as Thoreau proposes. The most creative thing an entrepreneur can accomplish is the capacity to explain their vision in ways so practical that it is immediately recognizable to many. And this is achieved maybe never fully. There will always be more questions, better questions to ask. The art of self-reliance depends on incessantly questioning and evolving your ideas. 
there is perhaps no true state of done. Although that may indeed seem exhausting work, it is what you signed up for. It's the magic in the daily struggle. In an unrelated journal entry, Thoreau emphasizes this idea further. Yes and no are lies. A true answer will not aim to establish anything, but rather to set all well afloat. In your challenge question, to what question about your journey does the answer frighten you most? That one got me. <laughs> I love it. I loved. I love how you've connected this these passages to that idea of never being done, because that couldn't be more true of that entrepreneurial journey. Isn't isn't it funny? Uh, um, that that passage that I read from Thoreau was an actual letter that he penned to somebody. It's you amazing. Know, it's unbelievable. She write letters back then. No emojis or anything. I know. I know. Beautiful letters. Some of the best reading is um, books of letters between writers. It is unbelievable. So I love the- I get to turn it on you. Why did why that question uh, strike you so today? I think it's so interesting. And I think it's because of the season that I am personally in right now, which is a transition phase. I'm, um, If I'm looking back at your seasons, I was saying we're in the um, growing <laughs> and evolving because I have made a few decisions to make some changes into some parts of how my brand is presented. So that is part of it. And I just signed a lease for some new space, which is terrifying. <laughs> and so it's just right there. The word frighten, I think, is what got me the most about that question. Because you think, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you're sort of always thinking to yourself, like, how is this going to succeed? How is this going to fail? Am I doing the right thing? Am I this pivot I'm making, this change I'm making? Is it right? And you can't know. You're, we, we all, you know, you can't see into the future. But it's scary um, to think about, you know, should I have signed that lease? <laughs> should I be creating these new products? Should I be making this change in my messaging? Things like that that don't seem all that big. But when you sort of stick them all together, you're, you're always thinking to yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? And you don't know. You just like you're teaching here. You just have to follow your gut. My gut says yes. And so I just have to lead with that and assume that my gut is telling me the right thing. But I think that's what it was particularly relevant to me right now. Yeah, it's 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 funny how often people have have you know made that comment to me. You know, when I've done a lot of these interviews, it it just you know I think a lot of it has to do with uh, how this gets you thinking. You know, because it, it obviously I, you won't read every single day and think you know oh now I have to answer that question. But I think that what you might be experiencing, you know, by that question kind of grabbing you and you maybe not having the answer to it is that now you're going to pay more attention today, at least you're going to pay more attention to answers to that question uh, showing up. I totally agree with you. Um, and I think it even, and I sort of process things a little differently. I'll hear a question, I'll read something, it'll sort of float in the back of my head for a while, and then it'll come back later. Um, I need to do that background processing. So having the question framed that way, and even the quote itself, and how you've interpreted it, with the best writing seems simple and common sense, but achieving the effect is not so easy. It just there's so I feel like there's so much truth to that. And there's so much you can that can relate to in so many different ways, whether, you know, you're relating it to your elevator pitch, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, right? Like it's, you're supposed to be able to say who you are and what you do in three sentences. And that's probably some of the hardest three sentences you'll ever try to write. <laughs> 
And so it's, I think it can be relevant on so many levels from something as micro as like, I need to figure that out to something as massive as I've just signed this lease or I'm creating a new brand or all of those things. So it just works wherever you are in your journey. And I love it. So that's right. Yeah. Thank you. So I want everyone in our audience to know about this book. Um, I'm frankly going to be giving it as gifts. So to those people who uh, <laughs> I think might be able to, it would benefit them. I'm, I'm loving it. So please let everyone know where they can find the book and find out more about you as well. You bet. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, I have, uh, I have had a number of people send me, you know, well, one person sent me a hundred, but uh, I just sent 10 out the door, you know, of, of books that, that the person's doing the same thing. Send them to me to sign them uh, so that he could give them out as gifts. But uh, you can find uh, pretty much anything you want about the book at selfreliant.site. So selfreliant and then dot S-I-T-E is kind of the home for the, the book itself. And then if you want to see what I've been up to for the last couple of decades, it's just duct tape marketing. And that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing com. You know, you mentioned uh, giving it as gifts. I also have heard from a number of people that um, couples that work together uh, in particular uh, that uh, that have been using it as a way to have conversation about stuff other than employees or payroll, <laughs> you know, or, and, and I think that's kind of been fun, too. I love that. Even uh, business partners. Yeah, exactly. I think that could be such a great tool. Um, I love that idea. Oh, yeah. I have a half a dozen people that I'm 100% sending this book to. It's it's phenomenal. So thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we'll drop all of those links into the show notes as well. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. This has been an awesome conversation. And thanks for creating such an, a cool and unique book. Thanks so much, Jamie. Okay, so I'm really looking forward to doing the prompt. It's so good. And he's really, he was really cool to talk to. I mean, he's been there, done that. He gave this book so much thought. Um, and it was different than anything he'd ever written. I just really enjoyed hearing that process. I enjoyed going through the day with him um, to talk about that prompt. Uh, and it was good. It's a good, I definitely recommend this book. I think it's awesome. We will drop a link in it. There are no affiliate links here. This is truly just a book I love. So if you're interested in it, you should definitely check it out. Um, and we'll drop information more about John and about the book and where you can find it. And we'd love to hear how you are all being resilient during this time. What are you practicing? What are you doing? Are you journaling like me? Are you trying to find someone to talk to like Jamie? Anyone? <laughs> Jamie's on a quest. <laughs> Is anyone out there? Um, yeah. What are you doing? Tell us in the HQ. Head over and let us know. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.